Tell you something I love about church and something that I would highly encourage. Today I have heard no less than four testimonies since I have gotten here. And I love that. I love that. I love to hear the things that God is doing. And it's important when God does something in your life to not shut your mouth about it. It's important when you come here to share with other people. Because see, when you talk to someone, you don't know where they are right now, what they're praying for, and sometimes a good reminder of the power of the God that we serve. It is necessary. And so if you have something that God has done in your life, don't leave this place without sharing it with someone. It's funny, the last song that we did, I didn't consult with Tim on this. It spoke about strongholds. It's been on my heart. I'm going to address it some today. There's something I love photography. I love the real nature of photography. I love when you see something that just captures a moment. And so there's something that has really stuck with me. Pictures that come out of Ukraine. There's a couple of slides. Do I have one or two? I thought I put a couple on there. So what amazes me is it's like 500 days into this conflict, right? And the amazing thing to me is that there are people who are living there that are in the middle of a war zone but are going about like their lives. And it stuck with me. Because there's times that I feel like I am walking through a spiritual war zone. Have you ever felt that way? Like you're just walking and it's amazing because you can feel powerless at times, right? Like your average person, see, he has a bike. He's probably on his way to work. He doesn't have any weaponry. But what's wild in a spiritual sense is when you consider who you are in Jesus Christ. I want to start today by urging you to live deliberately in Jesus Christ. The longer I walk with Jesus, the more that I figure out that I need to be sold out for him. This idea of trying to balance one foot in the world and one foot in Jesus Christ doesn't work. There's no such thing as kinda. There's not a kind of walk that isn't part of who we are. I'm urging you today, remember who you are in Jesus. There was a book which was written several hundred years ago. It was written by a man named Sun Tzu, and it was called The Art of War. And it has been studied by warriors, generals, by students in all kinds of military academies for hundreds of years. How to fight. Well, there's another book on how to fight. I can't get away from the words of Paul. I can't get away from it. It's amazing how many times it comes up. But Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. When I gave my heart to Jesus, I quit walking like the world walks. It's tough. I strive to not act like the world acts, to not behave like the world behaves. The Bible tells us this is what is in the world. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So the best that it can offer me is a bunch of bad stuff. 
sometimes the battle is right here for me. It's right here. I've been reading several things. I've been studying several things. I've been asking God, God, I need you to speak to me. Not speak to me on behalf of things I could share with the church, but speak to me as your child in this battle, in this battlefield, and put it into perspective for me. Anytime you're in a battle, here's the truth. A victory is possible. A victory is possible. But what's also amazing is when I am making my own decisions, when I shut God out, when I'm just on my own kind of autopilot, I make dumb decisions. Here's an example. When I study, I need to be somewhere where mosquitoes are biting me, where you see snakes and squirrels and you could get poison ivy. Like this is kind of my spot, right? My Garden of Eden, if you will. And so... At parks, they have these things called trails, and they're okay. But rumor has it that off-trail is so much better. And so there was one day, allegedly, that I was at a park, and I may have wandered off of a trail, and I spotted this perfect study spot. And it wasn't that far away, but the problem was, between me and this study spot, there was this gully down to a creek. And so I looked, and farther down the creek, I see this perfect crossing spot. But it was far away, Laverne. And so in myself, I'm thinking, I'm just going to take a chance here, right? I'm just going to take a chance. Maybe I'll call my wife and ask what our insurance number is this day. I'm just going to take a chance. Well, here's what happened. At a certain point, gravity took over. And I don't know, this next one, did I get that slide? Yeah, you ever see the Gloucester chase the cheese thing that they do? It was similar to the chase the cheese event that goes on. Like, I was just like hind parts overhead a few times, right? Like backpack flying, chair went flying. It was terrible. What's amazing about that is in myself, I do dumb things. And I keep doing dumb things. My wife never points that out. She's so gracious about this. But have you ever found yourself thinking, I'm going to make good decisions. I'm going to make smart decisions. I'm going to press into God. And then you end up doing the opposite, right? Like, have you ever thought, I'm going to eat right on Monday? Because Monday's a day you got to sound in regret, right? I'm not going to spend money this week. And then you find yourself saving money at like the third store that you're at. I'm going to trust God like never before. You ever do that? And it's just worry, worry, worry. Why do we behave this way? Well, here's a mental picture. My first car was a 1984 Honda Prelude. It had 94,000 miles on it and a five-speed. It was pretty old when I got it. It did not look like this at all. And so something happened, and I thought, I want a good sound system in my car. I know nothing about sound systems, right? I just knew if you got bigger speakers, it should be louder, right? Didn't know anything about amps or anything else. So Todd Greathouse, you sold me some speakers that were in your old Honda, right? And so I'm thinking, I'm going to have the loudest Honda ever. I had the most treble that you could imagine in this car. It was terrible, right? And so what I did is I knew a guy, and he hooked these speakers up. Shortly after this, it was a five-speed, because I love a five-speed, I was driving, and when I went to stop, I'd hit the brakes, and something happened. Every time I'd hit the brakes, the horn would go off. <laughs> Every time it would happen, 
right? And so it's funny because, like, I still figured it out, but I'd be at a lighter side. You know, it's a five-speed, right? You don't have this fancy anti-rollback stuff that goes on. I mean, it just, it rolls back. And I remember being at a light, and I'd be like, well, I'll just tap it. Just tap it and be like, beep, 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 beep. You know, like, and then people are looking at you. And so what's weird about this whole thing is that I started to get, like, dysfunctional in my thinking. I started to think, you know what? No big deal. I just won't use the brakes. I'll just use the transmission to slow down, all right? You can see me, right? Let's like, like, never use the brakes. Never go on anywhere with inclines. That was my plan. That's totally irrational. Here's what happened. Eventually, I almost got punched out by people, and so I took my car to a repair place. It ended up, it had nothing at all to do with the radio. It had everything to do with a car from northern Ohio and road salt, and the wires had somehow gotten crossed. And so the rational thing to do is let someone else take a look at the problem there and get it repaired. And there are times in your walk where you're going to have to let other people in. Or it may be totally embarrassing to you thinking that you have to reach out for help, but you're in a safe place where you can talk to people, where people actually go through things and where people will pray for you. When you see up here with the prayer team, do we say, no, at the count of three, you go up there and they are going to like sprinkle magic dust on you and everything? No, they're going to agree in prayer and they're going to press into Jesus Christ with you. That's what they're going to do. And as a church, we need to agree in prayer and to come together. Sometimes when it comes to the way we think, we can be predispositioned. A baby will smile at their mom. The mom smiles back. Smiling is good, the baby thinks. A baby will want a bottle. The baby will cry. They will get that bottle. They'll figure out, right? And so their mind, it starts forming, thinking, if I do certain things, certain things will happen. The more that you think a thought, the easier it gets to think that thought again. I say that because get your mind on Jesus Christ. Focus your mind on the things of Christ. And when it's hard, focus on the things of Christ, and you will begin to form a pattern. You will begin to form a way of thinking that it may not be intuitive from the get-go, but as you do it, it becomes more clear. Listen to these words. So if Paul gives you this art of war thinking, here's his from 2 Corinthians 10. These are the words in verses 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. I don't want the type of walk that simply avoids the subject of strongholds. Just like with that car, I could not avoid inclines. At some point, I'd have to hit the brakes. At some point, we're going to come up against things that need to be taken down. The weapons of our warfare, Acts 1 and 8 says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. 
The type of power that it is speaking about in these verses is power that were dunamis. And I never throw out words a lot of times because usually I butcher them, but I will throw out dunamis. That power is an explosive power. It's a miraculous power of God. It's where we get that word dynamite. And it's wild because, you know, I'm praying for this sermon. You know what I start thinking? Why didn't they call it dunamite? And I got stuck on that for like five minutes. But don't worry about that. Just stick with me. The weapons that we fight with, they have divine power to demolish and destroy strongholds. I love a definition from this Greek lexicon of inherent power, power which resides in a thing by virtue of its nature, or which a person or thing exerts or puts forth. By the very nature of God, there is this inherent power. When God enters a room, his power is on display. You, as a child of God, Do not walk in a manner that you do not tap into power. You can tap into God's power. Father, you think about this. If I picked up the phone right now, Dad, I need a toothbrush. We'll go buy a toothbrush. Dad, I need a new tire. We'll go buy a new tire. My father looks out for me. It's weird in a spiritual sense how we don't ask God. God, I need power in this moment. I'm up against something, and I don't know what to do. Romans 1.20 says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. There were times that I used to think, oh, this applies to people who don't believe in God. No, I think it applies to us. There are times that I can... Forget how powerful my God is. My record is 100% so far. He's going to come through. That power, I'm reminded of the fact that I have been in the stone quarry when they've been blasting. It is amazing when they're back there and they drill and they put the dynamite in. And at a certain point, everybody clears out, and they yell, fire in the hole, and boom. And you don't just hear it, but you feel it. And when it happens, all of this earth is thrown. And what's wild about this, too, is that once this happens, it can't be put back the way it was. In a spiritual sense, some of you have witnessed the power of God in ways that have been undeniable. You have seen things that you know that you know were miraculous. You have felt it in your spirit. It can't go back the way it was. I say that to you because in 1 Peter 1.3, these words, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. That same power that can demolish things can come to me in a whispering way and give me everything I need. God, I'm not sure what to do. I'm not sure what decision to make. God gives me what I need. I'm not trapped in a war zone as a person who's just wandering through. I am there because I have been commissioned and entrusted with this God power. 
Can you imagine that? Like this idea, growing up, I just thought anybody could get dynamite because I watched Wile E. Coyote. When you grow up, you figure it out. It's not readily accessible, right? Like the people who blast at the quarry, they go from state to state because there aren't that many people who have been commissioned to do that. But by God's very nature, he is giving you that type of power spiritually. He's entrusting you with that, a stronghold. You think of a stronghold, you can think of that. You can think of almost this military-looking castle often being set on a higher peak. Sometimes it would be placed in the center of a city. Some of them would have walls which were 20 feet deep. They had a couple of purposes. The first purpose could be to serve as a protective place for the military officers who were in there. The second purpose could be where they would take prisoners once the war started so that they could not be liberated. The devil, my spiritual enemy, do you know how it works? It doesn't look like a SWAT team breaching the room and dragging me out and putting me in a stronghold. It looks like me taking the devil's lies and thinking about them and taking a step. It looks like when circumstances come up, the devil throwing the same lie and me taking another step, me connecting the dots. Oh, well, the reason this is happening is because I will never be what God has called me to be. I take another step in there. And before long, what's crazy, it's almost like on Andy Griffith when people would walk in the jail and lock themselves in the jail and hang the key on the side. It becomes like that kind of thing. I find myself in a place where the lies have taken me down the wrong road. Our lives always move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. What we dwell on spiritually is what we become. I've always had a one-sided view of strongholds in my life, right? It could have been from video games growing up. I always thought maybe that strongholds were like this treasure chest that had to be conquered, and there were spiritual things in there. What if the truth of the matter is that I've been looking at it wrong and maybe I need to look at a stronghold from a place where I've been sitting in the thing the whole time? Maybe I need to look at it from the spiritual perspective of the devil forgot to frisk me on the way to the jail and he forgot to take the stick of dynamite out of my pocket. What if in a spiritual sense you understand that you always have a match to light? And when you're in that place, there are walls that need to come down. And it's going to be messy at times. And it may be loud at times. And there may be stuff all over the place at times. But are you willing to see the strongholds come down? Last week, we celebrate the 4th of July. One of my favorite quotes is, I like my coffee black and my tea in the harbor. It was a time when men and women stood against tyranny. Everything changes. I find myself in a spiritual walk, and and God checks me, and I feel like when I'm crying out for revival, God's like, maybe you need to cry out for a revolution. Maybe you need to cry out for a spiritual revolution because we need to go places. We need to take it to places it's never been before. Here's a question. What is the biggest mental stronghold that the devil has been using against you. What's the biggest lie? It sounds all theological. Let me break it down. 
when you are doing your best to focus on God in prayer, what is the lie that the enemy is whispering? When you are doing your best to read God's word, when you are doing your best to walk in the way that God has called you to walk, what are the lies that the enemy is throwing at you? This is how you identify strongholds at times. He is a liar. He is good at his job. Imagine this, your front yard at your house, a beautiful yard. I chose a photo. This is probably Scott Leopard's yard right there with that pattern. For real, he's an artist of grass. Imagine in your yard what would happen if you were to walk across. I'm sorry, if Scott's here, plug your ears because it's going to, is he here? Okay, this is going to be painful to hear. What if someone walked across the same place every day for 100 days? What would happen to that beautiful lawn, right? What would happen? It would start to wear, wouldn't it? It would start to wear. And so the same thing, when the devil throws a thought your way and you, you take the bait, today I'm, I'm going to walk, you know? I mean, maybe the lie's true. Well, I don't know it's a lie. Whatever I'm hearing, maybe that's true. You walk in that direction. And tomorrow you walk in that direction. And before long, this is what you have. This is my yard. It's true. But what if, according to Paul, this idea of God's power to renew your mind? What if renewing my mind meant the ability to see the wrong paths that I keep taking in the spiritual for me to have the ability when God puts these signs up like this, throw me a sign up that I actually pay attention? Because here's what's amazing. What if you stopped walking that same direction every day? What would happen to that? At a certain point, it would grow back. At a certain point, it would start to heal. And in my mind, I feel like when I keep revisiting things and I keep stomping through things, and I'm going to do it my way and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to handle it in anger. I'm going to handle it in resentment. I'm going to walk there. I'm going to stomp there because that's what I'm going to do. Then I make the path. And in God's way, God says, I am going to handle this. Give it to me, son. Give it to me, son. And when I finally listen to God, things start to heal in God's timing and in God's way. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you can renew your mind. The first thing was to identify that stronghold that's holding you back. It's been said that you cannot defeat what you don't define. Truth. Here's a thing that I learned. Ty, your ringtone is from one of the best spaghetti westerns that there is. Something I learned from spaghetti westerns is this, that dynamite was never meant to be kept indefinitely, right? Whenever they tried to keep it in a mine or they tried to keep it in a stagecoach or whatever, it would start sweating nitroglycerin. After a while, it could become dangerous, right, if you didn't use it in the way you were supposed to use it. And I say that to us as a church because there can be times where we just, we will put the power away and we will walk in a way that starts to get dangerous, if we were together, though, and you lit a stick of dynamite, I would probably ask you as I was running away, what are you doing with that? 
Because if you don't define what you hope to defeat, then there are going to be problems. The second thing, name the truth that demolishes the stronghold. John 8, 32 says, you will know the truth and the truth is gonna make you free. What is the God truth that will take down the stronghold? In Jesus' name, what will demolish it? In Jesus' name, what will light the fuse? We demolish arguments and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. The things that used to serve as chains for months and weeks and years, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. There's a quote from Michael Scott, and he says, Oh, how the turntables. There comes a point in your spiritual walk where you understand that God has not only empowered you with the permit to be the one to carry the dynamite, but he's also given you a badge and deputized you. And so the back part of that verse, it says we take thoughts captive and we make them obedient to Christ. Think about that. That is so wild. That means you going from the place where you were in solitary confinement to literally walking out and putting handcuffs on whatever's held you captive. It is a God thing. Closing on this one. When it says to take captive, if you look at those words, take captive, you dig into the Greek there, it means to attack something with a sword or a spear. By God, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. We read in Ephesians, I can't even speak, (laughs) Ephesians chapter 6, that there is armor of God. You read all the things, a helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, a shield of faith, a belt of truth, shoes, the preparation of peace. I almost said preparation of H. What's wild about this is, out of all the armor of God, there's one offensive weapon. There's one offensive weapon. The sword of the spirit. The word of truth. What's wild about this is the fact that there is one thing, and it is time for the people in God's church to put the weapon between you and the enemy. Because I'm telling you what, if there's ever anything going on and the enemy's coming at you, when you get the weapon out, the enemy's going to think twice when the weapon is between you and them. And when you do it again, and when you do it again, and when you do it with this spirit says, I'm not going to back down. Let the weapon do the talking. Let the word of God do the talking when it comes to the fight that we're in. Let him be the one that goes before you. God's divine power has given you everything you need to do in this moment. So here's what I'm going to do. And here's what I'm going to encourage all of you to do. I have a list of declarations, a list of things from God's word. And when I'm in a spot, I get out this list of declarations. And when I'm praying, I read through that list of declarations. I'm gonna read a few of them over you as a church right now. Deuteronomy 28.13 says that the Lord makes me the head and not the tail. 
Nehemiah 8.10 says, I will not be sad or depressed because the joy of the Lord is my strength. Deuteronomy 28.6 says, I am blessed coming in and I am blessed going out. 2 Timothy 1.7 lets me know that God has not given me a spirit of fear. It fills those things in power, love, and sound mind. So when I am struggling, I know what my God has given me. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, I am a new creature in Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.12-13 tells me that I am delivered from the power of darkness. 1 John 4.4 says, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. 2 Corinthians 5.7 says, I walk by faith and not by sight. Philippians 4.19 reminds me that my God richly supplies all my needs according to his riches in glory. Psalm 91, 1-2 lets me know that I live under God's supernatural protection. Romans 8.31 tells me if God's for me, who can be against me? Philippians 1.6 says, I know that he who has begun a good work in me will complete it. Philippians 4.7, the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension guards my heart and my mind in Jesus Christ. Psalm 35 says, I know that my weeping may stay for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Galatians 3.13, I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. 1 Corinthians 1.30, I'm redeemed, made holy, and made righteous in Christ. Jeremiah 32.27, there is nothing that is too hard for my God. I say these things because if you're looking to pull things down, tap into the word of God. If the enemy is coming after you and you need something to hold out between you and him, hold out the word of God. It may be one verse, it may be two verses, but speak the word of God with boldness. And the next time he comes, take it out again and take it out again and take it out again. If you'll stand. One of my favorite, favorite declarations is this, Psalm 34, 19. I declare that past disappointments and hurts are arrested and bound by the mighty name of Jesus. It didn't break you. It didn't ruin future. I am speaking life right now over situations. I am speaking life over families. I am speaking life over everyone who takes one more step away from addiction. I am speaking life over every person who has heard the word calling and it has scared them to death. For everyone who is struggling with loneliness, I speak life over you right now. For anything that has tried to put itself up as a stronghold to intimidate you in your life, we speak against that. And and as a church family, what we do is we come together with that power, with that dynamite power of the Holy Spirit and say that stronghold is coming down. That is what we do. I'm going to pray. After I do, my wife might share a few things with you. If you'll bow your heads. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray for every area that the wires have gotten crossed. You, Lord, can renew us. I pray for every struggle 
that seems like a 20-foot thick wall, your power can bring that down, God. And right now, what I would ask is for you to remind every person of every victory up to this point. And in the name of Jesus, I say you're not done yet. I speak peace over every home, over every heart. I speak favor in their workplaces. And God, I pray that you will make them magnetic when it comes to people being drawn to you. This is your church and your family, God. We go forward together. In Jesus' name, amen.